So I've got a question to start us off this morning. There is a phrase, faith seeking understanding. Who knows who coined that phrase? I'm sure someone must in this room. Faith seeking understanding. All right. Gosh, minus one points already for everyone. <laughs> faith seeking understanding. Uh, it was a phrase by Anselm of Canterbury. Um, and the whole point of the phrase is that actually as we look at God's word and as we, we study it and we want to understand more of him, uh, that this process of studying is our faith-seeking understanding, i.e. we believe because God says it, but then we go through a journey of trying to understand why and what and how. And actually that's a, that's a journey all of us go on in our faith, whether we know it or not, but this morning we're really going to do that together. And so I'm talking about faith and healing and the question in there. And not, I'm not intending to give you a lot of answers this morning, so if you've come hoping for answers, this isn't the one, okay? Maybe next week might be a bit better. But I, the simple reason for that is I just don't know all the answers in this topic, in this question, because, it, because it's difficult. It's not simple. And there's this amazing verse, and I always mix it between Psalm and Proverbs, so forgive me, I don't know off the top of my head, but it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search them out. And this morning, we're going to search out the mysteries of God together. So my, my hope for this is that you would come away with more questions than necessary answers. But those questions would propel you to seek God, to seek his word for yourself, to learn more about him, and to bring your own questions, maybe your own struggles to him, and allow him to guide you in it. Does that sound okay? Okay. Good. You're going to have to work for this one. Tell your neighbour you're going to have to work for this one. <laughs> it started well, huh? Everyone's in a good mood. Great. <laughs> so what is faith? Leandro, do you want to get Hebrews uh, 11 up for us? Let me give you a really simple definition. We'll just start here. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, uh, this is kind of um, expanded on in verse 6, which is the last slide in this section, Landre. Um Hebrews 11.6, go forward for... Yes, perfect. And without faith, so this is building on Hebrews 11.1, 1, without faith it is, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So our faith is, is, is an assurance, a conviction of something not seen, but it's built firstly that on faith in God in who he is but secondly in what his promises are that's what our faith must be based on it's not faith for the sake of faith you can have faith in anything but faith in who God is and faith in his promises and what he'll do awesome so how does faith interact with healing we're going to jump around the bible a bit today and and it's because this is a really meaty topic and we've got to allow scripture to guide us so I'm going to go to Matthew 10 1 and share this with you he, it says, Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. That sounds good, right? Matthew 10, 1, Jesus gives them authority to go out, heal the sick, cast out demons. There's different accounts that add different bits in there, but he's given them authority to do this stuff, to bring healing. And in kind of in Matthew 11, the next uh, chapter says, and he sent them out preaching and teaching to the surrounding towns and villages. And, and as we follow through Matthew's gospel, it's just like sign after sign after sign, the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000. There's um, 
uh, Jesus walking on water. There's so many healings. It says everyone who was brought to Jesus, he healed them all. It's just an amazing passage from Matthew 10 all the way up to Matthew 17. And I want to read Matthew 17 together, if we can get that up, Leandro. So this is Jesus that's talking about. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation. Sometimes Jesus says stuff and I'm like, really, Jesus? That's really harsh. Anyone else? Okay, phew. Oh, faithless and twisted generation. I've got to believe that that's in the gospel for a big reason. And not to discourage us, but rather to encourage us. But let's read more. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Which is a very question, good question to ask. And he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Sounds good, huh? Yeah? So it's simple, right? Just got to have faith, small as a mustard seed, and then whatever you pray for will happen because you have faith small as a mustard seed. Perfect. Everyone's healed, right? Okay, does anyone in this room have a 100% record in praying for people to be healed? Hands up. Okay, I'm putting mine down just to clarify. Okay, so maybe it's not quite as straightforward as that verse would allow us to believe. And that's because we're going to take the whole counsel of scripture into this question with us. See, our, our experience in life cannot define our theology. Okay, your experience in life cannot define your theology. It's really important that we allow the Bible to be our primary source of our theology, not our experience. However, our experience isn't to be divorced from our theology either. Your experience is part of your theology. It's part of your faith. Your experience is what God uses to move you and to guide you and shape you. And today we really need to grasp tightly to the truth of God's word and allow it to bring light to the experiences we have. I remember reading Mark's version of, uh, of this account of the epileptic boy. Uh, and, and in Mark's version, it says, this kind can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. And Jen and I then went on a journey of fasting our dinners uh, for at least a couple of months, didn't we? Uh, and every night we got together and we prayed for Remiel together and we took communion together. I should say Remiel is our son. And we took communion together and honestly it was the most like wonderful time of drawing closer to God and really meeting and encountering him and, and drawing closer to each other in, in unity. And, and honestly I wouldn't change that time for the world but Remiel wasn't healed. And in fact we saw other people at that time who were praying for with, with um, I suppose more uh, kind of simple things that needed healing, getting healing and yet our son who we were praying for wasn't healed. And I remember the questions I asked myself at this point, and I want to put to you today, have you ever asked yourself any of these questions? Do, do I not have enough faith? Am I doing something wrong? You know, is my faith not at least as big as a mustard seed? Does God love 
X, Y, and Z more? You know, have I not been good enough? Does he care about this situation of someone else more? Put simply, why does God heal this person and not this person? Who's ever asked the question? Yeah? It was one of those? Okay. That's really good. Because friends, I could sit here today and give you a sermon all about how X, Y, and Z, A plus B equals C, you have faith and you get healing. Or I could sit here and give you a sermon which says, you know, it's nothing to do with your faith. It's all about God's will and faith is just like a pleasantry. But actually, we're going to take the whole counsel of Scripture and sit in it, even if it's uncomfortable, and say, actually, we don't know all the answers, but, but we're not going to just jump to either extreme. Does that sound good to you guys? I'm okay with a bit of mystery, as long as it's God's mystery. And these questions are good, and they, uh, they're an invitation for us always to come speak to him. And, and if, if, if my preach could ever do anything, it would be to stir you to want to go and search the scriptures and speak to God more. That's all I want to do. All I want to do. You see, we can, we can glean so much from scripture, but we need to keep going to its author to get understanding, to get wisdom and revelation. So I've got a couple of points I just want to bring out today as we grapple with this question um, and then we're going to have a testimony at the end. So my first point is that it's God's will that all are healed, if not now, then certainly through glorification into eternity, i.e. when we are die, die and are resurrected in him. So in 1 Timothy 2.3, it says, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Who can guess what the root of that word saved is in that verse? Anyone? Sozo, exactly. Sozo, which, which whilst it does in this context is focusing on saved as a, as a general rule includes the idea of healing it's divine safety it's salvation and healing it's it's being made whole in christ okay it also says in 2 corinthians 5 for we know that when this earthly tent we live in which is he's talking about his body just in case it is a bit confusing this earthly tent we live in is taken down that is when we die and leave this earthly body we will have a house in heaven an eternal body made for us by god himself and not by human hands we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Honestly, there's some days where I definitely feel weary in my earthly body. <laughs> um, especially as a parent, that really um, <laughs> gets in there. But, but what we can say with certainty from these two scriptures is firstly, it's God's will that all are saved. And in that process, all are healed. And we can say with certainty it's God's will because we see in 2 Corinthians 5 that we all get a resurrection body which is healed of every ailment and continues to be. Does that sound good to everyone? Awesome. Everyone's getting an upgrade in Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Great. So whilst we know it's God's will that all are healed, we can argue also that Jesus healed everyone he prayed for. From scripture, that is the case. And potentially all who came to him for healing. But we can also say that Jesus doesn't necessarily heal every person he ever saw. And I just want to show my working out here. And again, there's a bit of reasoning that we're going to go through today. Um, one is in Acts 3, which is a passage we're going to read quick. This is an amazing healing. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside... Um, I've got a totally different translation to you guys. I've just seen it. Forgive me. 
Um, I'll continue reading from my translation. A man lame from birth was being carried in, and each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one, who, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold from you. Who remembers the song? Peter and John went to Brandon. Yeah, great, great song. Um, <laughs> but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. What an amazing miracle, huh? You see, the, the beautiful gate is on the well-trodden route up the Temple Mount, and, and certainly a route that Jesus would have walked every time he went up to the Temple. And, you know, you can read in Luke that Jesus said he was there day by day going into the Temple. And so this man who had been lame since birth had been brought and placed at that gate all the time to pray, all the time to beg. The same gate that Jesus would have walked through for, for, for many years, even before he started his ministry. And yet Jesus didn't heal him. Let me tell you another one. In John 5, we have the pool of um, Bethesda. uh, And one man at the pool of Bethesda is recorded being healed, yet in the passage it tells us that there were many people there who were infirm and sick, who needed healing. And yet the passage only ever records one person being healed. There's also Mark 6. Um, Jesus is going back to his hometown of Nazareth, um, I'm not sure he expects a hero's welcome, but he certainly doesn't get one. Uh, and he basically says, you know, a prophet, a prophet has no honour in his hometown, i.e. they all treated him disdainfully. And it says there that, um, this is Mark 6.5, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, which to me sounds like a mighty work, but we'll <laughs> leave that aside. Maybe not by Jesus' standards. But... And he marvelled because of their unbelief. So this story would suggest that a lack of faith somehow inhibited Jesus. But the other side of that is he didn't really demand any faith to raise Lazarus from the dead. See, I really believe God loves faith. And I mean, Jesus commends faith in so many times throughout Scripture. But at the same time, he isn't limited by it. God loves it, but he's not limited by faith. So I hope that's given you a bit of working out as to why I've said Jesus didn't heal everybody he saw. The answer to that question is another thing. You know, Jesus, it says, Jesus only ever did what he saw the Father do, yeah? So at that point in those places, the Father wasn't healing those people. Otherwise, Jesus would have done it. He healed certain people in those places. At other points, it says the crowds came to Jesus and he healed every single one of them. But in certain stories, he didn't. I don't think for a moment we can look at those stories and think that Jesus didn't have compassion for those people lying there, right? Like, we know God is full of compassion. It's not that Jesus didn't care about those people. And this is the point where I just don't have an answer for you today and I'm not going to try and make one up so it looks good on my sheet of paper. All I know is that there is no miracle of Peter and John if Jesus healed the man at the beautiful gate. They wouldn't have been able to do it. There's this great story in John 9 where uh, Jesus is, is passing by a man who was blind from birth and his disciples turn to him and they say, Rabbi, 
Who sinned? This man or, or was it his parents? That he was born blind. And Jesus answered them and said, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. See, instead of looking for a reason, sometimes we just have to trust that the glory of God is to be revealed through people's lives, even if they aren't healed at that point. And for me, personally, all I can say is that my, my life has been immeasurably enriched by the one healing I didn't see happen. Immeasurably enriched by that life. So if Jesus didn't heal everyone he saw, why is this important? Because Jesus is our example. You know, we're called to imitate him. We're commissioned to do greater works and to see his kingdom come through healing the sick, casting out demons and raising the dead. But if Jesus didn't heal everyone he saw, then I don't believe we should be disheartened if we didn't see everyone healed that we pray for. And the thing is, if we hold to a theology that says, oh, if we've got enough faith, then it's going to happen, then inevitably we're going to be disappointed. But actually, if we can hold to a theology that says we can trust our Heavenly Father and we can pray His will, then actually we're not going to be swayed to and throw by whether someone is healed, but rather we can continue to stay His course. Here's my final kind of statement for your consideration this morning. I know there's a lot of reasoning this morning and uh, I hope you're, uh, in, yeah, I hope it's working for you. It's not necessarily God's will that all are healed instantly through a prayer of faith. It's not necessarily God's will that all are healed instantly through a prayer of faith. And I say that knowing James' teaching. In James 5 it says this, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So from that, do we say, is it that those who aren't healed are let down because the prayer didn't have enough faith? I also know that Paul pleaded three times with the Lord to be healed in 2 Corinthians 12. And we know Paul was an apostle of great faith, and yet Paul wasn't healed. In Matthew 17, with the epileptic boy, the disciples, we can only assume because of those uh, chapters in between Matthew 10 and 17 that the disciples were going and doing the thing Jesus called them to do healing the sick, driving out demons and yet in Matthew 17 they couldn't heal this boy my, my genuine prayer today is that I've given you more questions than answers and if you're feeling a bit frazzled by it please forgive me if you're feeling discouraged by it then don't be don't be you know, the moment we think we've got God figured out, we've completely missed him. It's okay to have mystery. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have disappointments. As long as we take all of those back to our Heavenly Father and say, God, I don't understand, but I just want to be faithful to what you're asking me to do. This is how we are as a church. It says in 2 Timothy 2.15, you know, um, it's like make all effort to be someone who is seen to rightly divide the word of truth. You make all effort to really know your word and, and follow it accordingly. So how do we pray for healing in the midst of all these questions, in the midst of where we don't understand? 
In Romans 12, 2, it says this, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So first thing we do is we allow God's truth to permeate us. We meditate on it and we allow it to renew our minds because it's only as our minds are renewed that we're able to truly and accurately discern God's will in each and every situation. Just as Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, only said what he saw the Father saying, so we need to know God's will in order to pray what he is saying. Does that make sense? Are you with me? It's really important. And I think the more we do that, the more we can see healing. Because sometimes, like uh, Peter said in Matthew, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 17, sometimes there's actually prayer in a different way that needs evolved, or there's fasting that needs to happen. And actually, the more we can hear and understand God's will, the more we will see healing because we, he gives us the keys to unlock it. Does that make sense? We'll go into more of that later in the series, so I'm not going to go there now. But secondly, we pray in accordance to Scripture. There's a really great prayer Jesus taught us to pray. And it's the best prayer whether you feel you know what God's will in a situation is or not. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and my best advice to you, amidst all the questions about healing and faith that we're going to continue to grapple over, with over these next couple of weeks, is that if, if you don't know specifically what the Father's will is in a situation, then always go back to the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Muster every bit of faith you have not just in generic things, but in who God is and his promises of healing. And pray. Pray with every bit of faith you have. Trust that it is as small as a mustard seed. This gift of faith God has given you. And I promise you, you will see the, the sick healed. It might not be every time. We might have more questions. It might be someone you don't know. It might be your own family. But actually, friends, let's continue to press forward even in the mystery. Does that sound good? All right. Let's invite John up. John, come on up, my friend. And this is John. Why don't you give him a round of applause? John is a, a great guy and, a, and a, a great part of our church family. John's not used to public speaking, so this is going to be great. Yeah. Uh, would you like to hold this? I'll hold it for you. No, you hold it. You're just fine. <laughs> so I invite John to share because John has an incredible testimony of being healed right here in this room. And I really want him to share for us today. And actually, we're going to pray for people. Yeah, this has opened up a lot of questions for me. Uh, it was back in 2007, June 2007. Yeah. The dairy farmer, fit, perfectly active. And from one moment to the next, I was just struck down with a stroke. Yeah. And just couldn't process what was happening. And um, the night I was diagnosed, and my wife Jane, she was my faith rock and bounced off onto me. She surrendered me to the Lord. Mm. And she, she had a, like a knowing that I was gonna be healed. Yeah. So like I say, her faith bounced onto me and you know, I was really going for it. Yeah. Can you explain to us what the effect of the stroke was on you? I had lost the right side of my body, the use of it. I couldn't walk, I had to use wow. a frame in the hospital. 
Um, my right arm was completely haywire, mm. and I had to learn to use my left. It was quite a challenge. How do you <laughs> farm when you can't walk, just to clarify? How do I farm? Yeah, when you I had a brilliant um, herdsman on the farm, yeah. and he did almost everything and together with Jane. She's, but that's like your whole life. A farmer's daughter well. helps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was constantly tied. Uh, the coordination was all over the place. And to the start of my journey, I had to, my new home was going to be um, Overdale Hospital for several weeks. Um, what happened next? Yeah, um, once, once we were there and sort of came to our senses, we knew we had to get stuck into healing scriptures. Day after day, you know, loads of them all the time. Several times a day we were reading them. Jane had to read them to, to me first because I couldn't even talk properly. Um, we, um, Jane gave me a Charles Capps book with a lot of healing scriptures and we just recite them day after day yeah. in the name of Jesus. It's the promises of yeah, God promises, healing. Yeah. So I kept the book in my pocket yeah. and it actually wore down I used it so much yeah. I had to throw it away it went into shreds so um, when I eventually came home uh, about three months into the, you know, coming home I felt I was about 60% better and um, nothing else was happening there was no, no progression after that yeah. and it went on and on and on for right till about May yeah, yeah May and um the one particular week, I felt really, really bad. I thought I was going backwards. I was sort of on the cash at nine o'clock in the morning. That was my day done. Mm. And um, it got really so bad, I told Jane, I had to pack up the farm. Can't carry on. Just got to get out. So bad. Well, we made it to church that Sunday, yeah. surprisingly. And um, I was sitting over there somewhere by where Simon is, I think. And... Um, uh, Phil was talking about the Holy Spirit and, he, and at the end of the service he said um, if anybody wants to receive the fire of the Holy Spirit come forward because um, I think Heather had just come back from Florida Revival yeah. so he thought well we're going to go for this <laughs> and you're probably thinking what, what has this got to do with healing because that's, that's what I thought yeah. so he came forward I was at the back by Wendy actually and um, Heather started praying for everybody, one at a time, and they started falling over. I thought, wow, I'm just a country farmer, you know, brought up Methodist, we're not used to that. I'm not, I'm going to stay on my feet, you know, I don't do that sort of thing. Anyway, it was a domino effect. Yeah. One at a time, they all fell down. And she came to me, she said, John, just focus on Jesus, put your hands out, whatever you receive will be from him, not from me. And within about two seconds, I don't know what she prayed afterwards, but within about two seconds, I felt like a bolt of lightning went through wow. me. You know, electric shock. Being a farmer, I knew it was touching an electric fence, <laughs> what it was like. And I hit the floor. And after some time, I don't know how long, I got up and I thought, oh, I feel pretty good, yeah. Maybe this is just a good day. Yeah. So uh, see how it went as the day progressed. And um, Jane said, well, I, th I think you've had a partial healing, yeah? So we thought we'd, we'd leave it a couple of days before we sort of flew it out to the countryside, yeah? And by the end of the following day, I knew I was 100% healed. Wow. I could run. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and thanks a lot to your prayers. I could do everything I couldn't do before. Wow. I could run. I, couldn't, I could only do about two steps at a time. Yeah. I could literally anything. Coordination had come back. Everything had come back properly. And um, the thing is, uh, the testimony that was left after that, yeah. 14 years ago, is as strong as it was there. Yeah. It's hardly a, hardly a week that goes by I don't tell somebody. Yeah. Especially in church, if there's a visitor, uh, it's like an open door. You say, where are you from and all that. And I said, oh, yeah, I was healed here. Yeah. So, um, so t- testimony is incredibly strong. And uh, I believe it's um, faith. I think, why me? Because uh, I don't feel deserving. I mean, so many other people here, you know, I don't even come up to your toenails. I think, why, why me? Why, why has God healed me? Because he really loves you. Yeah, cause that's what, yeah, because he loves me. <laughs> Yes. Let so, me um, just ask you one final question. The doctor, what did your doctor say? Your oh, yeah. Oh, they were absolutely gobsmacked. Yeah. Um, when the um, consultant at um, Overdale heard about it, he, he wanted to see me. So we went for an interview with him, and he was just wowed by it. But it was his responsibility to um, send a letter to the, to the parish hall uh, so I'd give me permission to drive again. So, so we thought, yeah, it's good, but a short time later we heard about this letter that went to the parish hall. And it went something like this. Mr. Persia is fit and able to drive, but we cannot take any credit from this because he's been healed by God. Come on, hallelujah. Isn't that so good? <laughs> Friends, it's so good to to be together and celebrate every victory, right? Celebrate every healing that God has done in this church. We'd, We'd love to pray for people now.